This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. to the blank podcast the podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some very well-known guests i'm giles pay phillips and with me today in the broom cupboard in chesham is the one the only jim daly that made me think of uh the old cbbc broom cupboard was it cbbc mm. yeah you are you're the you're our pip schofield <laughs> thanks man uh i don't quite have the silver fox look yet although it is, it is. well he didn't used to have that I mean, so he he died he dyed his hair didn't he from a young age? I I did too. Did you? Did you? Mm. I went grey probably in my early twenties. Well, not, not full grey. I've not known you. Well, I guess I didn't know you at the time, but I've not known you non silver foxy. No. <laughs> um, I I I think the sides the, the two sides of like the the wings of my hair. <laughs> um, that sounds like a boy's own song. <laughs> yeah. The wings beneath my hair. Um, they 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 went they they went grey quite early on, mm. sort of probably early twenties. They're the first ones that go because mine are mine are going as well. But I think they're the first to go, aren't they? Yeah. Apparently, my mum went grey at a very young age, so oh, okay. uh, it's obviously hereditary in some way. Oh, interesting. But yeah. So okay. then and then yeah, just carried on dying. I mean, I was blo- I did a lot of bleach blonde. I was a bleach blonde when I got married. Oh, um, bleach blonde bleach is the coolest one. Like, I want to go bleach blonde mm. again. I think I, I yeah, I, I do it. miss it. I know my wife started re. She's, she was naturally blonde and she, her yeah. hair sort of got darker as she's got older. She's gone back to bleaching her hair and I, I'm it's tempted. Cool. But I think it's not very good on grey hair, apparently. It's not very good oh, for the you'd, hair. Oh, you'd think actually it would look better on grey hair. Like it'd be more of a, yeah. sort of a natural blend for it. But Apparently um, grey hair is more porous. So it takes in more of the chemicals. So it's more damaging. Interesting. So My it might go a bit kind of um, like straw. Oh, okay. Yeah, mine does that. Yeah. Mine, mine's naturally quite thin anyway. But... Um, mm. I'm quite dark, so dyeing my hair blonde looks either looks really cool or looks really awful. Um, mm. But I haven't done it for a long time. But I want to, but my my wife 
isn't a fan of it and also my agent wouldn't be a fan because then i'd turn up to auditions looking like a boy yeah. band member rather than it wouldn't be expecting that yeah you have to get loads of new headshots and stuff done again which would be uh, yeah. more money but it does look it does look good yeah i liked it i think it was back in the day i started doing it when i was sort of into nirvana and stuff went to mm. like kurt cobain well and you're in a band as well so you got the excuse of it's it's, exactly. it's a band look it's like sort of billy, yeah. billy joe armstrong green day you know it looks yeah exactly it was that kind of thing yeah and then you'd have like the roots coming through it looked quite cool yeah. when the roots came through yeah i think we good. are a bit old they were good for days i think we're a bit old for it now unfortunately but um, yeah that's what i think so yeah i had to embrace the gray but i think i think it looks good it looks good well, thank you. It looks distinguished. I think that there's. I'm. I'm definitely going to. I mean, unless I can negotiate dyeing my hair blonde again, I am going to embrace the grey when it happens. And it is like mm. it is. As I say the the wings are happening. So, but um, it's one of those things. That it, it's meant to happen. So, yeah, I think it. Yeah, and I think we do sometimes. We, I mean, you see it, don't you? Like, I think in the celebrity world, like people, some people, not all people, obviously, don't want to embrace that aging mm. process and. and they might get certain things changed or fixed but it looks hair uh, looks worse like is, is it john travolta mm. someone i think john travolta for a while was dyeing his hair and it it looks so obvious it looks so you what, know what i mean what, like a just for men type sort yeah of. exactly like yeah mm. it's it's i think uh sometimes it can actually go against you i think if you just embrace it i remember my old cdt teacher mr oh, what was his name mr harrington right what cdt is that craft design craft design technology. technology yeah it's just dt now they only call it dt D okay. design technology yeah. but it was craft design so it was oh, woodwork crafty or or, or or you know creating stuff with wood and then design and technology anyway yeah. our cdt teacher after summer holidays he was he had he was sort of balding with sort of white hair almost yeah um clean shaven mm. he came to school and he had a full dark beard yeah and 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 had and done the and done his hair as well and he'd obviously i don't know if he'd got one of those spray on hair mm. thing, you know where i've it heard of them makes yeah. it look almost weavy yeah kind of thing on it and he had almost a full head of hair well wayne rooney and, used that spray on thing oh, yeah. for years didn't well, uh, and shane warne didn't he use that yeah well? i think before before because you it can look really thin but it can sort of like for a couple of hours yeah. fill, fill it out so, so if, no, you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's it basically under the. But then, yeah. So it's for like matches. But then, of course, you'd ah. sweat it. You'd sweat it all out. Sweat so, it off. Um, yeah. There's a, yeah. So yeah. So so poor Mr. Harrington came in, and and I don't think people were kind. To, to, well, they don't <laughs> think they were. I don't think. Well, you wouldn't it wasn't be the at best school. environment. Come to, on. I know it wasn't the best environment to change your look. No, you wouldn't. I was just thinking, like you know, because kids are cruel and mean. And yeah, I think but, we, it, mm. it was you could spot it a mile off to be quite honest, <laughs> and it was a big error on his part. I think some weeks later he'd gone back to his old look. <laughs> I think you. I think in school, don't give anyone, especially especially if you're a teacher, don't yeah. give anyone an opportunity to. But we do. Miranda and I used to do a pub quiz before she locked down locally to us, and there was a guy called Steve, and he runs multiple quizzes, and his quizzes are mm. the best. Like, he puts in so much effort. What better than the blank quiz? I mean, obviously not better than Blank Quiz, no. Oh, we should get Steve to do the next Blank Quiz, actually. Um, he he puts in so much effort. He writes a new round, or new... He's written so many rounds, and does like four pub quizzes a night. Oh, sorry, not a night, a week. But he never does the same round again on that quiz. So he writes new rounds each week, and he makes sure he never repeats a round. Any, so he's like, puts so much effort in. But anyway, he um, was sounded like your, your teacher, sort of balding and grey, and then he turned up to a quiz once, and he, he'd got... His goatee, he had a grey goatee, and he he dyed that 
like uh, and it was so obvious <laughs> and i didn't uh, we didn't say anything obviously because we're not school kids we're grown-up adults but it was just it was all we talk about at the quiz now is steve died his... <laughs> oh, poor oh steve. he was so lovely though um I haven't seen and him i guess long. maybe he um yeah i, I think, think he went he... back as well after, after yeah him. i think you do you sort of it's just like it's almost like trial and error isn't it <laughs> You yeah. try it and then you know it's an error. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? There are other, there are other ways. Like I, I'm obviously I was I, my hair went thin quite early on in my mid twenties, and I've been using hairy growth pills, and they work okay. they work really well, really well. So, so there are other ways of doing it to the point where I actually became. If you're happy- the poster boy for um, Belgravia a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah, I've had posters on the tube and I've had so many people send me messages. Why the fuck are you on the tube? Well, you have got... Oh, that is the hair, yeah. Well, I'd have to say, Jim, you have got a very... Looks like a very strong head of hair. But that's because of the... I mean, obviously, people because of the, can't see because of the meds. The podcast. It's because of the meds. It works very well. So, so is it a hormonal? Yeah, thing? yeah. It's basically, without getting too Jennifer Aniston, here's the science bit... Um, uh, but, uh, pat, male pattern baldness is linked to high levels of testosterone. So in theory, if yes. you're going bald, you are so manly. You are so manly for your Ooh. own hair. Like your hair can't handle it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the pills I take lower that. So I've become more in tune with my non-manly side um, and also better head of hair. So in many ways, better mm. all round. Does it create more hair everywhere else? It does not. And I did worry about that. Ah, that's interesting. Not. Yeah, it somehow seems so you've Because you've got, I mean, for, again... People that are listening obviously can't see you, but you've got a substantial amount of facial yeah, hair. I've always been like that. I I've, mm. I was like that from about the age of 12. I was able to buy beer very young. Ah, oh, um, impressive. So I've, I've always been like that, but weirdly not on not on my head. But yeah, yeah. It's, but so anyway, I've just, I've just, just to counteract Mr. Harrington, like there are other ways of, but then again, that this would have been, you know, a long time ago for him. I think the, the technology has improved, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, look, well, that's, thank you for sharing that, Jim. That's good. I don't mind. I'm quite proud of it because it's worked really well. No, no, really it's well. good. Um, but well, I was thinking I might tell my mate Dave because he's bought. I think we've had this talked about this on a previous pod. He bought this thing called the Skull Shaver. Oh yeah, which is yeah, this yeah. very substantial shaving device. Mm. Um, and he's he's been sort of thinning for quite some time, mm. and. I've said to him, just don't worry about it, because he d- he had a little bit of a thin patch on the on the crown, mm. but generally it was okay. He didn't, well, like he didn't need to, thing. he didn't need to go that next level, and and he's he's obviously decided that he wants to try and embrace the shortness, and and has gone full, like like Which proper shape. I always head. thought before I did the hair stuff, I always thought when when I get to like forty, I'll just do that, grow a beard, shave my head, up, and, and also one, it looks cool two no one else cares like you're the only person that really analyzes your own hair that much so no one else yeah. cares or notices um but three if he does want to try hair regrowth pills and go a belgravia if he mentions my name i get a referral fee so i just <laughs> want to put that out there that is an option and it does work. and for any of our listeners if any of our listeners mention my name at belgravia <laughs> and i think if you sign up i do get a referral fee um so yeah that could be a good little money spinner for me actually so um mm. no i would recommend oh, perhaps it. they want to Sponsor the podcast. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they could do. But I think the, the underlining message is: be happy with what you got. You know, yeah. you were made a certain way. Embrace it. You're beautiful, however you look. So yeah, just you matter. You matter. Shall we get on with the podcast? Because that's a very long intro about my yes, hair. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I'm enjoyed so it. Sorry it's to all our listeners, but I think actually it was it was good to have this chat. It was. I think, um, sometimes I, it's I, important yeah. to talk about these things. I feel good about it. Um, and in fact, actually, sort of embracing. Uh, the way we are. It's a, bit, a theme that sort of comes up in today's um, 
episode with with I mean the wonderful Laura Whitmore, who's just so nice. We had such a really nice chat with her, um, and we do talk a lot about sort of um, self esteem and image and imposter syndrome and stuff like that. So in many ways, we've sort of led into the episode, but in a very convoluted long way. Yeah, but I was like the way that you did that though. That was um, that was really impressive. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm finally learning how to do links after ten <laughs> years of broadcasting, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think we should. I think we should let the listeners uh, hear from someone interesting and not two men talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> well, we should say about Laura. Laura's um, obviously got an amazing Radio Five Live show. Yeah. She's done loads of stuff on TV. Obviously, she was. Did she, we talked quite substantially about um, her work on MTV, which she did for many years, yeah. getting to interview all sorts of huge, oh, huge God, pop and rock stars, big, big, wasn't big. it? Yeah, I mean, some of the names um, were, were incredible. And then moved on to doing I'm a Celebrity's Extra Show and also, um, obviously, more recently, Love Island, which she's um, uh, started to present. So, yeah, she's doing all sorts of things and lots of amazing podcasts as well. She does a podcast on podcasts. Yeah, um, sort of like a sort of desert island disc for podcasts, and um, and several others. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I listen to her Radio Five live show regularly, and she's just really good. And we talked about how that, you know, it's her cultivating her own show on that is really nice. And she's a, she's a brilliant person and um, lovely to talk, talk to. Indeed, I th- so I think we should just that was a very nice intro and much more professional than mine. Um, so I think we should just uh, go into it. So uh, this is the wonderful Laura Whitmore on the Blank Podcast. How have you been finding this time work? Have you been you've been in the studio? Have you? Yeah, I'm kind of a mixture. I'm back into studio now. I'm um, back in BBC, but during the like proper lockdown, um, I was working from home. But I'm still doing a lot from home. But it is nice to get out every now and then and see people in real life. As lovely as it is to see your face, Giles, this way. It's like, I actually am like, you just kind of, when I'm out now and I see a group of people in work, say in BBC, I kind of forget how to talk to people because I I have to socialise. Yeah, I've been taking, there's a cafe in in where I live in in my town in Seaford and I've been making myself go there to get coffee in the morning and actually sitting in so that I can actually sort of learn to communicate again because i think i'm like yeah i've totally apart from like the, my wife and children i don't really see anyone else yeah i'm just used to talking to the same people so i just have to remember how to make small talk <laughs> it's a good skill it's a good life skill yeah it is a good life skill. i thought i used to be good at it but i don't know if i am anymore <laughs> yeah it's been a weird it's been a weird time i've actually i've not really seen anyone face to face since february really? apart from my family so i don't i'm going actually tomorrow i'm going on a charity marathon walk which i have not oh. trained for at all it's going to be a disaster wait so like like how long is that going so 26 to be? 26 miles but walking like, like a full yep. marathon but walking it's not going to take you the full day yeah. we're starting at 7 a.m and it's in south london and i live in oh. buckinghamshire so i've got to leave the house at 5 30 tomorrow morning which is an absolute nightmare oh well done you um, yeah i've tried really hard to get out of it um but it hasn't, <laughs> it, it hasn't it hasn't worked unfortunately um but that's going to be with we're in bubbles actually so it's bubbles of six yeah but it's still gonna be loads of other people and people that i've seen on zoom and not seen in person i'm actually really intrigued to see what it's going to be like actually to see people in real life see if my chat still holds up you'll be really tired apart from the very obvious reasons of the walk is going to tire you out but i just think it'll take it takes a lot of energy doesn't it to kind of get out and socialize again yeah i always actually i'll be honest i always found that anyway actually that it took a lot of energy to socialize but i think true 
without the training of of socializing with people in the last few weeks it's going to be like going basically like going on a marathon walk without training so i'm gonna yeah you're right. i'm gonna be tired in multiple ways can't wait can't wait <laughs> i really hope the weather's good for you like i hope it's a, a yeah, today and not too, like yeah. yesterday I didn't, they, it got, it's every year um, i didn't go last year because our, our daughter had just been born which is a great excuse um but this <laughs> year and it rained really hard last year and everyone was soaked but this year i think the weather is I think same as today, hopefully. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Not, do you remember like the London Marathon? Oh my, I was like talking to some people who were doing that and it was just torrential. I mean, it's tough enough as it, as it is normally without that. Mm. So I'm praying we, we can do, you can do a rain, or what, a sun dance? Sun dance. Sun dance, not a rain dance, not a rain dance, a sun Something. dance. Yeah, yeah, the opposite, the opposite of, of a rain dance. <laughs> my friend, my friend who um, was doing the marathon said she'd left out a brush and an onion for luck to bring the sun i hadn't heard it. she said i couldn't find the brush so i've left it on the mop and she goes i've only got a red onion and i'm like i, I don't know i don't know I, obviously it didn't I work, say, did not she work. Did. <laughs> i want to know what this what why an onion and a, there's no there's I no, have no I mean, idea your guess is as good as mine I know. You see, well, just well, if hope, i try and do the opposite the of those two things so the opposite of an What's onion the opposite? is i don't know an orange Sure. And then, and what's an opposite of a brush? Something that makes. Well, I don't me... know. They're both quite acidic. <laughs> I think you need to find something alkaline. Okay, this reminds me of to, science to GCSE gels, which is um, not fun. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll have a think of what's the opposite of a brush. A brush makes you look good. So something that makes me look dishevelled. Maybe just some mud or something. I don't know. But I'm like, you don't use a sweeping brush. Oh, on your, that kind of. Sorry, head. I think you meant like. Yeah. A, oh, okay. Or, me, or, oh. or maybe you do. Like a broom. Maybe you do like a broom. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. A sweeping it brush. It explain, actually, today's bad. That yeah. makes more sense of why she used the mop, because you must have thought she was just. <laughs> that's, absolutely and that's insane. why it rained. That's why it rained. There you oh. go. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> It's weird we have these weird superstitions about things. Do you have any superstitions? Yeah, I can get quite superstitious, especially if I'm in acting mode. I remember doing a theatre run and I was on stage. And I think a lot of actors and a lot of theatres, I, I remember when I was in the Scottish play. I can say it now. I can say Macbeth because I'm not in a theatre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh my yeah. God, nobody would yeah. say it's it. Weird, like, no, it's knock weird. on wood. Like, no one would say it. And if someone <laughs> said it, everyone would go mad. And I used to do a thing of like knock on wood before you go on stage and like all these mad things. And I think you get so caught up in it because you're like, well, I did that last night and that was a really good show. So I better do it again tonight. And yeah. And I think the more I hung around people who were like that, the worse I got. <laughs> Yeah, and then I realise, like, it probably doesn't really matter. But we do, you do, you yeah. do whatever. I sometimes find like a glass of wine before you go on stage. It's not really a superstition, but I do find it, <laughs> it helps. helps with everything. Actually, I think a glass it of helps wine. with everything, except you know if you're a driver or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's not so good. Was acting something you wanted to do then? Yeah, well, I did a lot growing up. I studied I, my degrees in journalism, but I also studied drama. I studied mm. performance and. Um, I just remember uh, I grew up with just my mom and uh, the teacher told her that I was a very shy child and she thought that's very strange because Laura talks a lot at home but I wasn't talking a lot in school so she got me drama classes it was just like a local drama group when I was about five and she said I came home a new person she doesn't know if it was necessarily a better person because <laughs> I had like a hand on my hip and I had this new attitude but it definitely helped me kind of come out of my shell a bit I used to think I was a lonely child not only child I thought it was called lonely child not an only child okay um, I do have brothers now but there's a big age gap so I you know I was a teenager before they came around um so yeah drama and theatre for me was a great escapism and um my dad 
who I used to see every week, once a week, probably didn't know what to do with a daughter. So he used to bring me to the theatre, to the Olympia and the Gaiety in Dublin, and we'd see plays and shows. So for me, it brings back lots of nostalgia. The theatre is just a beautiful place, a place of storytelling. And I love stories. That's probably why I loved studying journalism as well, whether you interview someone, you know, doing a podcast, doing a chat, it's all stories. So I just became obsessed with the theatre world. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's not even like something that I was intentionally pursuing. It was just always there in the background, still is. Mm. Yeah, I was going to talk about journalism, actually, because I, I, my degree was in journalism as well. And uh, gone. How many hours a week did you do? Not Ours many. Oh, not, my God. Not oh, many. my God. First year, I literally did nothing. Li- literally nothing. I'm not even joking. <laughs> you and everybody. Honestly, it's just such a dos of a course. Um, but um, it's such a good... Where did, you, where did you do yours, by the way? Me, I did. So I studied in Dublin City University and then I had a semester abroad in my fourth year in Boston. Yes. Oh, nice. Boston. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah, that was just... And, and I just turned 21. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's such a good time. Was, so yeah. I also think with university and... Um, I know, you know, people kind of say, oh, it's a DOS, it's a DOS year. and But like that, that year was so important for other things, like not the academic oh, yeah. side, but social sides. I went to a convent with all girls. It was the first not time I had girls. boys in my class. Yeah. You didn't go to a convent, I went to, well, I went, I went to My primary school was run by nuns. I know, nuns, I recognised you. I recognised yeah. It's like Derry Girls, you're the one guy in the class. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, it was just, it was, you know, I was 17, I started uni and it was like living away from home. So for me, I think the social side is so yeah. important at that time as well as the academic. I felt the same thing. I felt like when I went to uni, it was like 50% academic. Well, in theory, 50% academic, 50% social is probably mm. more way towards the social. But it does it does sort of set you up. And it, I almost felt like it didn't really matter what degree I did. I mean, I did journalism because I wanted to get into journalism. I haven't really done... done, done and it's broad. Since. There's different areas. Exactly. You've got TV, radio, exactly. print. Exactly. Yeah. And I was doing print, but I've, I've done loads of different stuff since but actually as a degree it was it's quite a good grounding actually because j- journalism and sort of storytelling as you're saying it's actually involved in so many different industries and, and it can really set you up for just almost just that mm-hmm. basic communication and being able to talk to people or find out a story and then finding that common ground so even though I've, i'm not really doing journalism anymore i found it actually it's been useful skills throughout my life really for yeah. everything Definitely. And kind of getting out there. A lot of times, you know, you have an idea of a story, just getting out there and making the story. So like going out, interviewing people and it's nerve wracking, knocking, you know, knocking on people's doors. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Mm. But do you know what I mean? Like just, but it does kind of push you out there a little bit. It is mad when I look back though, because I was studying about like 12, 13 years ago, like how much the world has changed. Like I remember we had a class mm. going, let's talk about the internet mm. you know what i mean the in- the what like we kind of did research like old school ways we didn't google we google was there but not to the way it is mm. now um and yeah it's just crazy how things change and even media law like i studied media law and now i work in an industry um where sometimes i see it from the other side and i'm like all that thing about defamation and writing things that aren't true like n- nobody does like nobody listens no, oh, to what i learned in that no. module People just write whatever the hell they want. Oh yeah, it's mad. I I've actually mm-hmm. I actually never passed my NCTJ prelims, uh, and so I never actually there was two media law it's all out. degrees. It's all out. I don't two, know what you're talking Two media about law now. and two like local government. Oh, I'm GLOL. A GLOL. Oh, is that, is that a different? <laughs> no, I'm saying LOL. Laugh out loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I nearly got sued actually at my first job at my local paper for a quarter of a million pounds, uh, which was. I was. I'd have been 24. 24. Is this, this the is, great yeah, pigeon so I, yeah, incident? Basi- what? 
Okay, tell me so the story. I was, oh my God, the, the editor wasn't in that day. So the day we got the letter, it was me and the senior reporter, Stuart, and he was shitting himself. He was quite a nervous person anyway, sort of person that like thought the local government were like, always up to something. So it's quite paranoid. And we got this letter saying, we're suing your paper and the reporter, James Daly, for a quarter of a million pounds. Because, oh my God, I was so scared. Yeah, I was like, what did you do? It was ridiculous. It was a, it was a down page article. So like, it was like 200 words max. And I'd gone to a really, really boring council meeting, because that's what you do on local news. You just go to boring council meetings and hope mm-hmm. something happens and then write about it. And there was this really rich guy. I was in Seven Oaks in Kent, where basically loads of rich people. And he had he kept pigeons. This is such, sorry, this is such a middle class. <laughs> it's scoop. a middle class problem. And he kept pigeons, I think bred them or raised them or something, I don't know. And the local neighbours were, like, were annoyed because his pigeons kept pooing on everyone's cars, as you can imagine. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you need to get rid of your pigeon coops or pigeon houses. And it turns out he didn't have planning permission for one of his pigeons. He had two, didn't have planning permission for one. And so they were like, okay. But you need planning permission to have pigeon Apparently houses. So. Apparently so. And he didn't have Good them. But he was rich and didn't care, so just did it anyway. Yeah. So I wrote about this, and literally, this is, yeah. this is what it was. I wrote that he didn't have planning permission for both his pigeon houses. And it turns out it was only one. He didn't. He thought that that devalued his house oh, he was man. trying to sell at the same time by a quarter of a million pounds <gasps> and wanted it back off Ooh. me in the paper. <laughs> and it was fucking terrifying. In the end, we just wrote a, an apology. And I think our lawyers were like, we don't have that much money, so you're not going to get it. Um, but yeah, it was, God, it was terrifying. But it's so mad that they like follow and chase you. I was actually laughing this morning um, with my other half because we were like, there was a whole article about my house, about like my lavish house that I live, live in. And I was like online on one of those online websites. And I was like flicking through going, this isn't my house. It was like me and it looks like I have a 10 bedroom house. One was like me in a hotel room. One is my house back in my mom's house from two years ago. I'm like, how many bedrooms do we have? <laughs> <laughs> and but like nobody does anything and you kind of feel like you've got no power but i guess if you if you're rich you can probably afford to have the lawyers and stuff chase everything well that's the yeah I don't that's know. the way of life in general i think that rich people are able to mm. most of us probably can't but i think you you've definitely touched on a point there that like these days i think journalism's changed so much since i got into it oh it's got lazy it's as well like yeah. we didn't have we weren't pulling yeah. things from instagram exactly we had no we had to ring people yeah. and like ask them questions and we had to do it with shorthand so I remember I did you study yeah, shorthand? Yeah. Yeah, I studied Pittman shorthand. Yeah, Pittman, and like yeah. that that module was on a Monday morning and it was like <laughs> it was I think there was about five people would show up, but it was the one thing you had to pass shorthand yeah. to get your degree. Yeah. Like you had to it was the one module you had to pass. And it was I just I I just remember like nobody went and it was the I think I was one of five. So I was such a nerd. I was one of five people who passed it, and then everyone else had to repeat the summer. Like yeah. it was mad. It was just like, was like just go to the class. Yeah. Just go to the I class. I was one of those non-five. I didn't go. I didn't go to because it, it, it wasn't compulsory at our university. Jim, and then terrible. I got the job my local paper, and they were like, "Have you got your prelims? No. Have you got a shorthand? No. Sorry." But nobody <laughs> uses shorthand now. Like I, and also half the time, if I write it, I can't read it back. No. Like I'll write it. Oh. And I'm like, it takes. It's. It's. I'm quicker if I. I'm actually quicker at texting in like text yeah. speech without vowels. Than I am right now. But I don't know why couldn't but... you use a dictaphone? No, they were like, oh, we got you a shorthand yeah. because if someone complains, you'll read your shorthand. Just listen to the dictaphone. I don't understand why. That's probably better than my the shorthand. Only time I'm like, I use shorthand now. I still, weirdly, sometimes I still think in shorthand. Like if I'm just like watching TV, I'll think about the words in shorthand. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, this, I can see the, the way it goes. Yeah. The only time I do it now yeah. is if I'm at home with my mum and dad and the phone rings, I'll take the note in shorthand just to annoy my mum because I know she can't read it. 
And then she'll have no idea what it says. But I used to get confused with, you know, the way sometimes with the dots for the vowels, like the like where are you putting the dot? And then, then I'd mm. read it back and it's a different yeah. word if I've forgotten it. So I'm like, just write the just word write down. The it's just oh easier. God, honestly. Just write the fucking <laughs> yeah. word down. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. <laughs> weird, a, weird, a weird time. A weird sort of quite backward archaic time that wasn't that long ago. No. I wonder are they still teaching it? I'm assuming they yeah, are. They must do. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> That that time in sorry sorry Lloyd that time in Boston yeah. was there a, a remarkable difference between what you were doing here and then working over there? Yeah, <laughs> big time because uh, at the time when I studied in Dublin, I mean I have to say the Irish um, education system is brilliant and we're very lucky that it was at that time anyway free education for university once you got the points. Um, except we say free, but then there's obviously the books and everything else that comes around with it, so it's never yeah, free. Yeah. Um, but in the US, it costs a fucking fortune to go to third level education, like stupid money. So everyone in Boston University were paying something like 25 grand a semester, I think, something like that. Fucking wow. Sorry. In DCU, we weren't paying anything. So four of us um, from Dublin City University um, exchanged with four from Boston. So those poor gobshites were stuck in this university that was lovely and good fun and good crack and stuff. But... D- obviously didn't have the same financial support yeah. and money so obviously the equipment yeah. and this it was just a it was just a different world over in boston it was and also boston is like i think there's like 84 third level um uh, institutes over there it's probably more now so you know it's it's you've got harvard mm-hmm. you've got like you know um i can't even think of anything else you got uh what's the other one there's like loads it's recording it <laughs> never answer calls with no caller id that's the, like number, num- number one rule <laughs> i would never answer that well it's not now it's now it's um we've heard you've been in an accident that's the one i get oh yeah time. and i'm like have i oh my god i did not know i haven't left the house i'm just discovering i've been in an accident and i've got 10 more rooms in my house this is a hell of a day uh that is record ever recorded again oh they left me a voicemail <laughs> i look forward to that okay later yeah on. <laughs> we've heard you've been fun <laughs> But yeah, Boston was brilliant. So yeah, so it's like we're surrounded by students, as I said, and you've got like Harvard and Boston University and MIT and all these great kind of establishments. And um, I was 21. It was just fun. And we had a class on a Friday called the Newsroom. And you went into a real studio, cool. like a proper oh, wow. studio, like a proper newsroom. It's And I had to laugh because I'd been to... Um, just to kind of day visits and stuff to like RT and TV3 in Ireland at that stage. And like the university newsroom was like better in this university in Boston because yeah. they just had money. Like, so mm. um, yeah, it was, it was a lovely experience. It was a lovely experience. Did that, was that the first taste of like the TV thing though? Because I mean, obviously it was a while before you started getting into TV, yeah. but, but was that something like um, could start a little gem of an, like, this is, this is kind of thing I want to do. Well, yes and no, I guess. <laughs> so with, in America, it's it's so funny because obviously it's just different different culture, different culturally. Um, so with the newsroom, every Friday we'd be given a different. Everyone had to do a different job. So one person was a camera person, one person was script producer. You could be the weather person. You could be the main anchor. You could be the sports commentator. <laughs> I love obviously, that. <laughs> first of all, I'm not hugely into sports, especially American football. So like, I have no idea about American football, but like there'd be a script. So if that was your job, everyone had to do everything at some oh, point. Okay. So you would just have to like be watching the footage and commentating what 
you know the writer and script writer had had written and I was like I don't know but it was it was it was fun but it was yeah it was definitely going well I know what I don't want to do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but around that time as well because I didn't really know many people bar the three other people that I'd gone with I I did join the drama group over there and I ended up doing a play when I was there for six oh, months okay so um I kind of always I always find mm. you know you find your people and yeah. I always feel people no matter where you are, no matter what culture, there'll always be people who are quite similar to you and your ideas and openness and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really lovely doing that. But it did, yeah, it did it give me a taste of of TV? I I don't think I had a clue what I was doing on TV <laughs> until I was on TV. <laughs> like there was no real training, if I'm really honest. I just because it happened very quickly for me because I won a competition, so it just kind of went from being you know a researcher and an intern in a newsroom to like being on television interviewing Coldplay like there was no real mm. in between yeah but I think if you're some, if you're someone that's quick at picking stuff up I think TV you can sort of get the hang of it quite quickly I think can't you and sort of Oh yeah, it's easy. To oh yeah, piece of piss. Piece of piss. I'm a blagger yeah. though. I'm just. I always think 100%. fake it until you make it. Just blag it, blag it. Yeah. Everyone else is blagging it. Yeah. We're all winging it, aren't we? Really? Great, I mean, it. yeah, we are all to varying degrees winging it. But it is. It is actually. I would say blagging is my one life skill. I think of being able to look like I know what I'm doing when I'm not. I must have a really good poker face, which is because I don't think I do. But that's a gift. It can, it can gift. get you many places. Yeah, and in trouble <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> yeah. Should you be here? <laughs> Giles, we have uh, something exciting to announce here in the middle of the podcast, um, and that is that we are launching blank merchandise. It's official. No way. Proper, proper merchandise. Proper merchandise. So if our listeners would like to buy blank merchandise, they can go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank. And you can get, well, you can get a range of things, can't you? You can get T-shirts, hoodies, mugs. What else? Baby grows? Baby grows. Because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of babies out there that love the blank podcast. Um, I know mine does. Um, and you can also get, the, we've got various um, designs, didn't we? We've got one that's got our blank logo on, uh, and then mm-hmm. we've got two that are inspired by pod guests. Yeah, one of them was inspired by Rebecca Callard, who was on, I think, the eighth episode of the Blank Pod, mm. and hers was to do with her video collection, which we were talked about at some length, and we thought that what Video Library, which was the video shop I worked in back in the 90s, was an excellent name for a romantic <laughs> band of the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, and then you made this uh, this great, uh, what looks like album cover of you and me with um, hair from Flock of Seagulls. Um, so we mm-hmm. thought, you know what, let's make that into a design. So you can get that on t-shirts and hoodies and, and sweatshirts. And then we've got one that's inspired by Sanjeev Bhaskar when he talked about the three different stages of blank, fearful blank, neutral blank and happy blank and we've turned that into a design as well so um we've got various uh, designs that people can can get um and in different colors as well I'm, I'm very excited by this charles i'm really excited it feels like we're a proper thing now it does indeed um so if our listeners would would like to buy some merch um the t-shirts for example are 18 quid um the hoodies are 27 quid uh the tote bags are 17 quid and mugs are 15 quid and of course we do get a small cut as well of of everything that's sold so if you'd like to support the pod um then you can do it in this way and you'll get yourself some exclusive blank merchandise so go to podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash blank 
when you went for that competition, though, did you? Obviously, you were trying to win, but did you think that you would? I kind of wasn't, if I'm really honest. Oh, okay. Like I, well, I know that sounds like mad to say. So I was, I mean, I was young. I just finished. I was um, finishing my fourth year at university. So I had the first half of the year I was away in Boston. Then I came home and did my thesis. And then as part of um, your final, you have to do uh, an internship. So I was working in a radio station in Ireland in a newsroom. And then I ended up being made permanent there, which was really nice. But um, it was hard. Like Newsrooms are hard, especially when you're like the new girl. Um, and, you know, you come in with your blonde hair and people probably are like, ignore you or they like I, I made some really good friends there but it was a tough it's a tough place because everyone's so busy they're, they're not there to show you how to do things mm. um and I yeah I found it quite tough and I remember one morning there was a car crash on like the M50 and I remember thinking oh good I've got something we've got something to talk about on the show and I was like oh I don't want that to be my life I don't want to like you know you, you hear like a devastation like that and you kind of think oh we've got yeah. content so I was kind of in that place and I was like, okay, I, I'm really interested. I like storytelling. I like doing stuff in this, but I don't know if this is right for me. So I was kind of in that weird place. And then I saw this advertisement on MTV for this, they're looking for a new face of MTV. And I thought, God, like, I don't know it. Like, none of my family are in the industry. Like my mom's a civil servant. Like my best friends from school, like studied medicine and um, physiotherapy, uh, chemistry. So like, n- like I was the, I was the odd one out. So I didn't know anyone in the industry. I was like, I just like need an email address. Do you know, like maybe I can get work experience somewhere else. Like I'll finish this internship. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll work here for a little bit, get experience and then try and get in because I kind of felt whether it's true or not sometimes you feel like it's who you know like you can have this degree but it's like and it's like I just need an email address um so I kind of entered that competition because I wanted an email address (laughs) and I I had an email address for MTV I still remember there was a guy called Neil and I was like oh I've got I've got an email address Neil Neil bless him he's a freelancer I actually still speak to him sometimes but he was a freelancer so he probably couldn't do that much for me (laughs) but but I I sent in a video and um that was really it. And I kind of just thought, okay, I've got, like, maybe I'll get work experience out of it because like, I'm not experienced enough to kind of get a role like that. And also I'm in Ireland. If this was a big UK search and mm. like they were opening it out to other people. And then I got a call a few months later. Um, I think I put it in around, I put it in around December time. It was about February when I got a call saying that I, they've seen the video and they were kind of going through people and they got, I got down to the last few hundred. Um, and if I'd come over to London and I remember thinking, oh, I want to have more than an email address. I'll get to meet them. And then I might get to have more email addresses. So that, like, that is where my mind was, in yeah, all honesty. Hustling. Hustling. I mean, hustling, I think, is an important... I think in, in many industries, I've found in entertainment, comedy, journalism, a lot of it is nepotism and who you know, and people do progress from contacts. And you have to... If you don't know anyone, and my, my, none of my family are in any of those industries either, you do have to hustle. I saw a thing on Twitter... Literally this morning, uh, and it's a lady who is now, I think, a producer at the James O'Brien show on LBC. And she mm-hmm. tried, rang up to get work experience, pretended to be someone from The Guardian. Oh, hi, it's Sarah from The Guardian here. I just need uh, your producer's email address <laughs> for something we're doing to get an email. And then that was her way of getting an email and then used it to uh, get a job there. So, you know, sometimes you have to hustle and it makes you creative. I love that. 
Yeah, and and I think there's a way to do it because I know sometimes I know myself. Sometimes I'm afraid you don't want to be too pushy. There's a difference between hustling and pushy and doing things the right way. But I I also like that initiative. Anyone in any team that I've worked on, especially like in radio, I like you know you like people who come up with ideas. Go okay, we didn't get that guest. How can we get that guest? What are other ways to go about getting that guest? So I like people whose mind work that way without being pushy. So like I totally get that. You just and you have to, you know, this world, you kind of have to do things for yourself. People think, how do you become a presenter? Does it just fall on your lap? You're like, yeah, no, yeah. like you have yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was funny enough, going back, just going back to those days when you started off in that um, that radio station in the newsroom. Yeah. And actually, that's probably quite a brutal kind of, you know, you're jump, jumping in with two feet a little bit and people not necessarily giving you the breaks or, or, or understand, you know, being yeah. compassionate to you because you're new. And... Um, that I guess, in a, in a horrible way, it toughens you up, and I don't like mm. to use that kind of. It's word, life, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, it's life. And you have to you sort of become resilient to the to how the industry works a little bit. Yeah, no, a big time, and you don't want you don't want to be spoon fed because that's not what life is either. I think you need to kind of get out there and do things for yourself, learn the hard way sometimes. Um, and I did, but I got to meet some people who are still like my best friends. One of my friends, Sam, she was working on the same show. She'd just been made a reporter. Um, she was just she's only a few years older than me, so we we're kind of the two young girls there. Like she's gone on now, and she's like the editor in chief of Glamour in the US and she was work she was like head of social on um, CNN and worked for BBC News. And she's brilliant, so. And like we all hustle, like we both. I remember at the start we were like, oh, "This is hard," but like you stick it out, you stick it out, and it will happen. Because um, I know sometimes there, it's hard. Like it's hard. You get to stage going, "Why am I doing this?" Like mm-hmm. no one's noticing. What's the point? Everybody feels like that. Everybody, no matter who you are, even if you've got somewhere <laughs> because of nepotism, everyone will find that. And then that comes. Actually, yeah. that comes with its own um, difficulties, doesn't it? If you kind of get a job because of who you know. Um, then you're always kind of feeling you owe it to someone else, and that's why you got there. You never feel like you've done it by yourself. So there's difficulties no matter what way. We've all faced it. Success, like I think, even successful people will feel I'm not being noticed or have downtime. Remember, my wife's an actor, and she was reading uh, an article about someone who I think had been up, either won or been up for an Emmy or a Golden Globe or something, um, first big award, and then was like. I've made it. The offers are going to roll in. And they had no offer for like six months or a year or something. I'm just like, what? Mm. I've just won an award. So I think even if you have varying degrees of success, you can still get those feelings of what's happening. It's crazy. I I love listening to Super Soul Sunday podcast with Oprah. Um, And she had had Bradley Cooper on when he was nominated for an... It was after he was nominated for an Oscar um, for as director. um, And um, he had just said how much of a failure he, he felt. And it was mad because he'd been nominated for an Oscar, but he didn't win. So mm. everyone's like, oh, you didn't win. Yeah. Oh, you didn't win. And it's like, can you imagine? Like, he's like a great actor who then gets nominated, like mm. just gets nominated to be as director. Like, that's huge. And and he felt like a failure. And I thought that was really interesting. I was like, oh God, everyone feels it. Even like the yeah, most successful. Mad. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is something we, we, we sort of find from this podcast. You know, we talked to brilliant people like yourself who are who are doing really well but we all have these same feelings of you know the not mattering where you are on the scale of success but we have yeah have these same kind of neurosis and anxieties about you know what we're doing it's it's uh, just like universal it's like human the human condition isn't it yeah we all feel shit <laughs> <laughs> better name for the podcast yeah, yeah. we all feel shit <laughs> And also, but also, Charles, you talk about sort of the scale of success. Mm. But it looks like I'm sort of wafting a smell, doesn't it? Sorry, the scale of success. <laughs> but um, 
that's interpretive as well because what some one person might yeah. you know feel is successful another person might not but in in the same way i think it's important as well that we sort of try and i was thinking about this this morning actually like measuring our own successes and this comes off in the pod a lot Charles. it's like my catchphrase isn't it give yourself the win <laughs> but like you know measuring like if if you feel yeah. like you're having a crap day and you're like oh i'm not getting ahead think about like things you have done well like what you know i've got a I've got my, married to my best friend and I've got a beautiful daughter who's just turned one. And so I think, okay, so career-wise, I might be in a bit of a stumbling block, but I've got so many wins that size. So it's just, I don't know, sometimes just, you just have to sort of take stock mm. of it and be like, what have I done? I get, and, and I was, I can't remember who said it. I know my other half said, Ian said it to me, but I, I think a comedian or someone else said it. I can't remember who said it, but basically when you get up in the morning, make your bed, make your bed. And the reason you make your bed is, is like a subliminal message in your head. It's like, I've achieved something today. So even if you do fuck all, when you go to bed that night, you're like, oh, I'm going into a made bed because I made it this morning. And yeah. it's just yeah. those little things that can really change your mindset. Well, have a, have a shower. I've, I've, it's amazing. I feel incredible. Actually, I literally haven't today. That's so bad. Um, but um, <laughs> Either have I. <laughs> Thankfully, the podcast... You were, you were wafting the smell. Yeah, yeah, that's what you were doing. It was, yeah. I'm wearing synthetic as well. Um, <laughs> but it does, sometimes I'll, I'll have a crap day and in the evening. I think, oh, I'll have a shower. And just something about it makes you feel good. And I guess it is that same yeah. idea of doing something. What, something you've accomplished. It's all relative as well, even if it's a little thing in the day. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we've we've started doing like gratitudes with the kids at, at night when we have dinner and getting them to say like they one good thing, one bad thing and then one thing they're grateful for and, and we that. do it as well. And yeah, and it's re- and honestly it's so like it's so great for all of us uh, just to kind of express how our days have been and then, you know, you always end up with something positive. I think that's um yeah, it's important to do those sort of things, I think. Because it's very easy to remember the bad things, isn't yeah. it? It's very easy yeah. to, Oh, this didn't go right, this didn't happen, this and we do that and that negativity kind of then just, you know, takes over our mind. But just, yeah, remembering one little good thing, something, yeah, as I said, gratitude, something to be thankful for, really helps. Yeah, it really does. So from doing the MTV stuff, what what was next for you? You did, you did I'm a Celebrity, didn't you, for a bit? Yeah, so MTV lasted a long time. So I was doing that for about seven years. Um, it was only supposed to be a year contract. <laughs> Um, but I didn't leave. Um, I got that email address. I just never left. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm a celebrity kind of happened during that period. So I think I was, I must've been in MTV about two or three years maybe. And I'm very grateful for MTV because mm. it kind of allowed me to learn my craft. Um, but not like, you know, it was a great show and stuff like that, but like doing MTV news and doing these little packages and traveling around, even though I'm interviewing all these massive stars, I feel it's very different to a lot of television shows now that when you win, you're kind of thrown out there. Like the press at that stage were not really interested. Like, you know, I could kind of go under the radar and just learn my craft and kind of get on with it. Um, And then about two or three years, I must've been into it. And I got asked to audition for, um, for I'm a Celebrity. And I still remember, I, I auditioned with Joe Swash. And, oh, someone's at my door. Hold on. Can I get the door? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no <laughs> it's real. I'm at home. It's real. <laughs> Don't worry. Live. Just the postman. There you go. Uh, all good. Love the postman. Love the postman. I know. I, see, I feel like I see him all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I've lost. What was I saying? The audition. The audition. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Audition. Oh, yeah. 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 So, Joe Swash. There yeah. you go. Joe Swash. Yeah, so we had to audition um, on the This Morning sofa because it was in oh, cool. ITV. Yeah, oh, so we'd wow. sit on the sofa and um, 
Yeah, and that was the first time I ever met Joe. He'd already worked on the show for a few years and nerve-wracking because I'd worked on MTV and I'd done bits and pieces, but this was like a lot, this is a big live show. Mm -hmm. And, but I got it, I got it. I can't believe it. I still remember like when they called me and said, okay, so you're going to go to Australia, you know, working with Ant and Deck and have an hour live show every day, like doing like 24 live shows every day, back to back. Um, and at that time we were pulling in for an ITV2 show, like 2 million or something like that, which is mad. Big numbers. Wow, big crazy. numbers. So I was out of my depth, but I was very grateful I had those few years in MTV just kind of learning. I mean, yeah, because live TV is a whole different beast. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's mad. But again, I think, you know, going back to Berlin, you you learn it on the job and you get it wrong you, you learn get it by right doing. and yeah. you, you know and every time you get something wrong on live tv you're like well i'm definitely not doing that again and you pick it up <laughs> yeah. but, it, that, but i think also as well viewers kind of like it when it goes a bit wrong oh I, I love i love it too and that's you know it's live I, mm. and you know it's live and it's real and, and i i was very blessed that like i've got, i've worked with so many different people now over the years and i think the more you work with different people you just learn from them you're like a sponge you just absorb absorb so like when i first start working i worked with joe swash and i worked with um russell kane and i mean they're very different to me but you pick up things that they do at deck i used to watch them we used to go and watch their show before we took over their set and and they'd mess up on live, but it's how they handle it. It's not yeah. about messing up. It's how you carry on. That's what I learned quickly. And I love when they mess up because they're so funny and they giggle. And and they also have that, um, they just have this great control on set because they're such pros. And I remember once, I think like Aunt, or, it was like Aunt Ordeck. I think it was Aunt. <laughs> it was like <laughs> interviewing one of the campmates. And then I could hear loads of people talking in the background. And as he was interviewing, he just kind of went like this and everyone went quiet behind him. I'm like, they're professionals like they're yeah. good at their job and then then I worked with Rob Beckett because he came in for a bit and I feel like the more people I work with just the better I get not that I necessarily have to be like them but you just kind of pick up different skills I think that's an important way to be that's an important way to be in any, in any industry yeah. yeah I was thinking also like working with comedians is probably quite a good thing as well because yeah well but then yeah. I feel I feel like comedians bless them like they had the hardest work because they have to be funny like yeah, true, if I'm fun true. I'm funny by accident and people are like <laughs> oh she's funny I'm like there's no pressure <laughs> do you know my job is to keep things going my job is to like not make it about me like do the interviews hit the counts and kind of move everything along that's my job and then you're kind of juggling everyone else around you um but yeah I I, I do like I think different people I work with different parts of my personality come out as well which is quite fun you now you work with a comedian of course you're kind of your funny bones gonna gonna come out a little bit more do you know what I found about like being a quote-unquote comedian is when you go and do jobs like that <laughs> when people say you're introduced you as a comedian people for some reason find you funnier and I don't know why it is but maybe it's really? because they're in their mindset oh, oh this is this is a funny guy <laughs> 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 but it is people getting I don't know it's funny People get into that mindset of, oh, he must be funny. So everything you say, people are like, oh, that's funny. You're like, I haven't really said it. done anything, <laughs> but okay. The way you, know you say it. Maybe it's yeah. the way you say it. I don't exactly. know, but it's an interesting mindset. But I think you're right about working with other people. It's it's important, I think, to be open-minded. Um, even if you're working with people who maybe do things a bit that you're not like, oh, well, I, w I wouldn't do it that way. But yeah. everyone has their own process. And I just think it's, I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't worked in that many industries, so I can't only talk for the ones I do work in, but... I think it's important to learn from other people and just be open-minded about that kind of stuff you can only surely improve like that yeah no know. big big time um and and as you said like sometimes people do things and you're like oh that, maybe i'll try that and you try it no nope, doesn't work for me <laughs> works yeah, for them yeah. i remember like the first time i had talk back in my ear and live and um they were like 
uh, one of the first producers, an amazing woman called Sarah, was like, do you want to switch your talk back? I was like, I don't fucking know what either of what you said is. But I didn't want to say that. And I was like, oh, what, what do Ant and Deck do? And they, uh, oh, no, 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 sorry, do you want to switch or open? Do you want to switch or open for your talk back? And I was like, I don't know what switch or open means. Like, mm. I have not a clue. And I was like, what do Ant and Deck do? And um, she was like, oh, they have a switch. And I was like, yeah, I'll do switch, I think. <laughs> and turn it, switch is great because open is you hear the whole gallery, yeah. you hear everything that's going on. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I just, I was like, I just want to hear what I need to hear. Yeah. And I yeah. remember there was a story once she had told me of where the autocue failed. Um, I think it was for Ant and Deck. It was some show that she'd worked on. But because the presenter didn't realise, they could only see like a line or two beforehand. So it was still going, but she was typing it as it was happening. But I was like, as a presenter, you don't need to know the madness that's happening because you, no. you've got so much stuff and you're trying to stay calm. I'm like, yeah, just tell me what I need. If I need to know more, tell me more, but only tell me what I need to know. That's when, like, when that's we're like live. Anchorman, isn't it? Sort of typing out the audio <laughs> as it's happening. That's happening. Yeah, I'm... thank God there's no question marks in there. <laughs> Laura <Yeah>. Whitmore? <laughs> I think it's true, like doing live TV, there's so much going on. I remember the first time, first of a live TV gig I had was with Joe.co.uk doing a football show. And the first thing they said was, do not react to anything you hear in talkback. So if I say yeah. something in a new way, don't be like, okay, cool, because it will be on live TV. Some so. people do that though. Do you ever see when someone does that? It cracks me up. Uh, you like, learn to like, be like, chat, 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 chat. What? Yeah. What? Am I hearing things? Because people at home don't know. You learn to be like, nod. Okay, just a little nod or whatever, or, you know, at your own little kind of clues. But God, yeah, it's, um, it is madness. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And the most important thing it, um, I was taught um, just from one of the presenters I worked with was like just you you always have to be inclusive of the people at home so like if you're hearing stuff in your ear you don't want to be like oh I'm hearing stuff that you're not hearing you're yeah. kind of on their side and I think that's really important is to always kind of have that connection with your home audience and once you kind of have that in your head I remember Ricky who I worked with um, one of my first jobs Ricky Hayward Williams in um, MTV he uh, he always did this really like like looking at the camera like he was flirting with the camera because <laughs> Trevor Nelson had taught him that but it works because it's like you have that connection with the people really? at home yeah it looks kind of like it looks a bit weird when I'm doing it to be honest it's just a bit like is she okay maybe that's why oh I don't do any live TV anymore I just have to, I didn't flirt enough, <laughs> didn't flirt enough flirt with the camera I not can't. the cameraman the camera yeah. <laughs> oh actually that explains a lot actually yeah that's probably what happened there again <laughs> Yeah, it's the viewers you're trying to uh, arouse, yeah. not the uh, camera. Yes. Interesting yes. that it worked, though. That's, that is interesting. Mm. Mm. Not for everybody, <laughs> though. No. No, not for everyone. <laughs> so going forward, you did, obviously, you've, now you're obviously doing your own show on Radio 5 Live. Mm -hmm. Is it is that nice, being able to sort of cultivate your own show that's just kind of, you know, and, and actually a lot about, you know, I really love listening to it, by the way. It's a great oh, show. Oh, thank you. Um, but having a bit more kind of creation, creative control yeah. on it and stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's a show I, I wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago. It's taken mm. me kind of time to get the confidence. And yeah, I feel like I, I bring a lot of ideas to that show. Um, I work collaboratively with our producer and AP about like what I want to talk about. And I think that one of the reasons that, because um, I, I did a summer series with, BBC Five Live and then I ended up getting the full series and one of the things the commissioners had said was like we like the new ideas that you're bringing and the new kind of questions that you're asking and it's like how can I do that more and it's it's weird because if I told like Laura 12-13 years ago when she was like starting out on that radio show that she would be have her own show and be on air it's like mad it's just mad but it's a great platform it's a great opportunity and I'm using it as much as I can um, and talking about things that I really 
want stuff that I want to hear on the radio that I'm not yeah. hearing and and voices that I haven't heard like sometimes I could be I love it sometimes I'm out and I'll meet someone they're really interesting and I'm like oh I want to bring you on my radio show that's how it works sometimes it's, it really happens like that yeah but if yeah, there are things should... that you want to talk about sorry Charles if there are things then that you right. want to talk about then it means your audience will want to hear them as well you know yeah and and sometimes there's things I don't want to talk about but I but then I or I don't know about and that's that's really important it's not just stuff that I'm interested in it's stuff that I don't know about as well because I'm like well I don't really know much about this but let's get someone on who can talk about it Mm. Uh, and just having that space and we've been doing it for two years now I mean it's only been a year full time Mm. we had this the summer series and I just love I love the audience is growing the audience is changing we've definitely like I think when I first came on air I was like who is this blonde girl why is she on instead of the politics show and you know you kind of have to kind of fight that and mm-hmm. and now I can really feel like our audience growing and people saying oh I listened to this at the start and I wasn't so sure but I'm really into it now and I'm like yeah you have to win people over but you have to give people time to 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 listen to what they're talking about well it reminds me actually in some ways of, of podcasting like you know you're having yeah. those you're having quite candid and genuine conversations with people yeah. which you don't but just untimed yeah, 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 <laughs> you've yeah, got yeah. five minutes to do it <laughs> yeah, quick. tell me about your book um, <laughs> the news is coming up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but th- there is that element to it I think especially when you're having conversations with people I think mm. you, you get you, you, you're getting to the heart of things a lot more than you do in, in most radio shows I have to say yeah but I think as well because it's talk radio makes yeah. a difference um and I actually came from talk radio it was news talk that I worked in in Ireland um and obviously there's, I love music which is really weird that I'm working like I you know I started out in MTV and I'm working mm-hmm. like in a place that we don't play music although I have live sessions I get live music in yeah. as much as possible um but I think I have that space because normally if it's any other station you've got like three minute links or two minute links and then you're playing a song so I do have a little bit more space than the average show which is nice yeah. I, think, I think there is a, uh, I was going to say more of a desire, more of a want, but I think there is more of a space now for long form interviews, just in general. And, and podcasting, I think, has definitely helped that. But before, the only place you could really get long form interviews was like um, Sunday papers, you know what I mean? Or like The Observer or something. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, TV was, was chat shows with five minute links and stuff. So I think, I don't know, it just feels like there is a space for it now. People are thinking. Am I, am I wrong? Or do I think people are open more to candid, deep, long interviews. People want more. Um, people are smarter than than what we're told. We're like, oh, people like say, oh, people's attention span will only last. Like I've been told that before in jobs. You know, we have to do things quick because their attention span will only last this long. And uh, you know, I think people are smarter than we give them credit for. And. And I definitely think this year more than ever, maybe that was with lockdown, but I had the radio on more than ever because I had wanted voices in the house and I wanted to listen to conversations. I didn't just want to listen to the news of being told what I can't do. I wanted to kind of have yeah. discussions about it um, and podcasting as well. And, and with podcasting too, there's everything from the serious to the comedy to like true crime, there's all these different elements. Mm. And, and I think we are such complex people, like, you know, humans, we're so interesting that we don't just have one side to us where we just want to listen to the same thing in small mm. little spurts of 140 characters or whatever mm. we want more well i was going to say actually yeah, yeah but, uh, is it a reaction i guess to to being constricted on social media for example to to, to just talking yeah. you know like you say in 140 280 mm-hmm. characters whatever it might be actually we do, we do want more we want to hear more and we want to yeah we want to um yeah take in more from people yeah. and not just be given sound bites and clickbait and all that kind of stuff big time and you know what pisses me off as well like headlines i just think headlines oh. being misleading and Terrible, isn't it? 
Uh, and I remember when I was studying print journalism, being like, you know, as a reporter, you'd write an article, but you had you had no choice over what the headline was. Mm. Um, you know, some copywriters would like put in a headline, or the editor would approve it, and it, people at that stage weren't reading the full article. Well, I think podcasts now we're ne- we now want more because we know that there's fake news, we know that we're misled. Yeah. I remember doing um, I did this show. Who do you think you are? Do you know when you find out about your family? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was lo- it was a lovely show. It was I know I was kind of I really wanted to do it, but I was worried for my family and my mom because I'm like it's, it's I'm used to being kind of out there, but I wanted to make sure that they were okay. And it was really lovely, and it was a lovely article a journalist wrote in the Irish Times about it about because it wasn't like my family were royalty or anything like that, but there was strong women in there, and there was a lot of babies who died because you know we lived like years ago. There was no contraception. There was a lot of miscarriages. There was a lot of deaths and there was a lot of, um, like, not talking about things. So it was a very kind of open conversation. They wrote this lovely article saying um, how on my particular episode, it, it was lovely to see, like, my interest and enthusiasm in talking about things. And then the headline was the Laura's episode of, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, Laura's episode of Who Do You Think You Are is interesting to Laura. Oh my god! And the thing was, she did write how it was really interesting to me, but to other people. But the art, and I was like, and I remember someone tagging me and going, "Well, here's an example of a headline being yeah. completely misleading." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, I'm so sick of that. I'm so like just people just pulling things and just completely going." Well, technically, it's not a lie. It was interesting to me, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the tone the was different, and it was yeah. clickbait. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think people are switching off to that kind of stuff. Like I think, sort of years ago i say years ago five ten years ago with the internet that stuff did work but you look at how fewer people are now clicking on stuff few unfortunately newspapers are dying as well but i think people, people are questioning people are questioning yeah. it and switching off that they actually want they know that through podcasts or through other stuff they can get you know loads of people doing patron stuff now they know that they can go straight to the artist or straight to the, the creator and get real stuff rather than having mm-hmm. to rely on cheap headlines it's um i do think people are being savvier like you said and also that thing about people's attention span only being, you know, eight, nine minutes, whatever. Well, it's only going to be eight, nine minutes if you give them eight, nine minutes of shit. Of course it's only going to be eight, <laughs> nine minutes. <laughs> eight, nine minutes of, like, Steps talking about the latest album. Well, actually, I actually quite like Steps. I um, actually really like that album. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm speaking of random bands. Uh, they're, they're very good, actually. Um, is Then people are going to switch off, but if you give them 45 minutes or an hour of genuinely interesting content, then people are going to be more switched on to it. I mean, it's not... It's basic science, not difficult, is it? No. I know. It's 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 frustrating, but I think you are right. I think people are copping on to it a bit better. Mm. And um, what I love about podcasts is, and, I mean, you'll get this, um, like I, you get better conversations in a podcast. You get more information. I give, I talk a lot more. Like when I'm doing a press interview, especially when it's for a promo for a show or something, I'm like, I'm not talking about this or this or this. In a podcast, I feel a bit safer because I feel it's not going to be a pull quote. It's not going to be a pull quote. And even if something was taken from this, this podcast is up for the world to see, you, yeah. uh, to hear. You can go on and listen to it afterwards. Um, and I think in the past, whether it's shorthand or a dictaphone, when someone's doing an interview, we don't have access to that. Mm. So when something is taken and kind of twisted, we, we don't actually hear the original interview. But people can listen to me talking to you guys now. They know my tone. They know yeah. that like we're having a conversation. It's, you know, it's not it's not in any way vicious it's not in any way intrusive it's just like a normal chat like we would in the pub um and i think people can listen to that and i, I just think that's why we're that's why podcasts do so well mm-hmm. 
Well, you're getting context. You're you're getting mm-hmm. the context of the interview rather than, like you say, people just pulling out stuff. And to be fair, people have been able to make their own context from quotes for years mm-hmm. when actually mm-hmm. now we have the source evidence, don't we? So mm-hmm. it's definitely changed things. I mean, it's been wonderful with Giles and I doing this pod. And what's been lovely is we don't come into these episodes with any agenda. We just let people talk and people take us on these amazing journeys. And sometimes mm-hmm. people take us to really crazy places. And it's been... It's been fascinating, actually, just, again, just getting to know someone over an hour rather than a five-minute press, you know, press junket or whatever. So it is... And, you go, and you said you, people go in with an agenda. Like, I'll... I can sense it. Maybe it's because I've got a journalistic background. When someone just wants a quote from me, like, mm-hmm. they, they, they've already written the quote yeah. already. So they're trying to ask me questions to get the answer that is that quote. And I can see them. They're doing it. And I'm like, I'm not going to say that. But they'll try and somehow put questions leading questions well as you said this when you come in with no agenda you get so much more mm. yeah is that is that generally you get that that experience with print journalism oh yes big time especially tabloid um mm-hmm. when they'll go in with an agenda and sometimes i'll be i'll be doing an interview and i try not i don't really like doing print interviews that much unless it's a long form one unless it's like going to be like a proper long form it's so a cover cover mm. shoot and then they're going to they're going to give you an hour chat or something but I find in their heads, they'll be like, well, I've got a headline. I want to talk. I want Laura to talk about this. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not here to talk about that. But they'll try and get me to say one thing about that. So then that becomes the story. And and it's only from experience that it, it just makes you kind of close up completely. It just kind of puts you on edge. And it's just not going to be a good interview. Um, I remember, like, I think because I see it from the other side, I interview people so much. Yeah. And I remember years ago, like, I'm never going to ask someone a question they don't want to answer. Like, that's not what I'm here to do. And no. And I've been told by PRs, like, don't ask this, don't ask that. And I will never ask that. Yeah. But I, I remember, like, years ago asking, I think it was, like, an MTV um, and um, Lily Allen came in. And they were like, don't ask her about her personal life. I'm like, she's here to talk about her album. Why would I ask her about her personal life? Like, I'm not going to do that. But I was talking about her album. But then we started talking about something else. And I was talking about that. I was single at the time, something. She was like, oh, my God, well, don't talk to me about being single. Like, but, and she said, and I was like, oh, that was her own. Mm. Like, I never brought that up. And she, she spoke, and I think she spoke more then because I didn't ask her. Yes. <laughs> she, she felt safer. So I would, I just feel like there's no need to be intrusive. And people will tell you what they want to tell you. Yeah, Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's never been like our remit has never been about sort of trying to sensationalise the conversation or you know it, for us it's it like Jim said it's about getting to know someone and having a nice chat and it's to be honest it's a bit like therapy for Jim and I. It's like <laughs> it's free counselling, free counselling. Yeah. Oh, so much money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's what and that's you know a lot of it of, of why we do this is because of that and I uh, you know and, and I'm really grateful for it. I was but thinking do do sometimes you've do you sometimes miss those like those days in MTV where you were kind of a little bit more under the radar? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. They were they were mad days because I was working in television and I was technically talent, but like I had like a 9 to 5 job in a way. Like, mm. you know, I walked to work or I cycled to work. I was in Camden along the canal and um I had a desk. Like I had a desk and I had colleagues that I'd see every day and we'd go to the pub on a Friday. And in this industry, it can be quite lonely because you don't have... I remember a few of my friends who were in bands. I was always jealous. You know, if you're in a band, you four other people, four other yeah. girls, four other guys. And like, because I'm freelance, like I can work on a show and, and have all these people around me and then I'll move on to another show and there'll be different people. Um, which is why it's always really nice when... I'm at a stage now when I've got my team and my hair and my makeup because they're like my best pals as well or there's your regular people that you work with but at 
that stage when I was starting out, I felt really lucky because I felt like I had like an office job in a way. And I had, and I, and I was in a, a city I didn't know anyone in. I'd moved over here from Ireland. I didn't know anyone. Um, it was very overwhelming. So I kind of feel lucky that I had that. I was interviewing all these stars. People weren't really, people weren't interested in me. Um, I wasn't being like pictured leaving my house and like I'd walk around Camden. I remember like Amy Winehouse, I used to see her around being followed by like photographers yeah. and thinking that's insane. Yeah. Insane. Horrific. Yeah, it's horrific what happened to Amy. I think just it's that crazy. horrible, her, that harassment is just, yeah. It's mad. And then I see it now and I think, I think because I'm a bit older now and I've been, I've been in situations where I, I've left places or there's been people outside my house and I've felt very trapped and I, I think I saw that happen to other people mm. um, and it's weird then when you kind of see it happening to yourself and you kind of go, oh, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this shit. Like yeah. I don't have to. Yeah. I can, anyway, I, I've had, I've talked about this before in the press about like, or my radio show too, about like upskirting. I remember like photographers trying to take pictures of your skirt. I mean, that was allowed. Like that was allowed. And we just, we just, now it's not, but we just accepted it because that's what we were told was the way. And it's, it's the, the older I get, like I'm happier. I got a bit more attention when I was older than when I was younger, because mm. I just feel I'm in a better place, probably mentally first. I yeah. think that about a lot uh, about rock stars, about footballers, these kids basically who get insane amounts of attention and intrusion in their YouTubers, lives. YouTubers, that's the other thing as well. Yeah. YouTube, oh, I yeah. guess YouTubers would be the modern kind of um, yeah. incorporation of that. But and and I've <laughs> I've not really felt mentally ready for anything like that. Not that it happened to me, but if it probably now I'm 36, like now I can't imagine what that would be like at 18, 17. That kind of intrusion. I mean, you're not. I heard a thing on a podcast or TV today that uh, men's brains don't fully develop until they're 27 anyway. So you're lit, you're physically. Some would say older. I was going to say, <laughs> 27? I'm, I'm, not, I'm nearly 43. And I'm, it's still I'm developing. Still struggling, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're, so you're physiologically not even literally. Because I think, I think, because I think women girls brains develop quick or something I'm, i might be getting this do, very yeah, wrong so i apologize they do say, they wrong. say women mature like to stereotype but on average women's yeah. um mature quicker than but it men. is linked yeah. to literally brain like in the brain it's a scientific fact yeah. yeah oh my god so you can tell the science isn't my uh, isn't my forte um but anyway yeah i just can't I, I i when footballers get criticism and stuff online and stuff i do oh. actually genuinely feel sorry for them because i think these are just kids who just don't really one have never probably spoken to anyone outside of football and two don't know how to well, deal it, with this kind it's of baseless stuff. as well Man. because it's not based on you know it's not based on them as people no it's based on them missing it's, a pl- misplacing yeah. a pass once during 90 minutes like it yeah. is i do and find it becomes, it's, and it's so vitriolic and they don't even know those people i mean you yeah. know yeah yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's crazy it is crazy and i think that's the hardest thing with any even like with musicians and i think it was it was different like back in the day back in the day like i remember even talking to ed sheeran like he gigged before he got famous like he did mm. the rounds and he gigged well people get famous very quick now and like i love i love the talent shows and i'm obsessed with the talent shows but it is hard when someone gets very mm. famous very fast and i have friends who got famous very very fast and how they've had to deal with and going i almost wish i kind of did it the other way yeah. not because of like not because of of the stage that they're at or how people in their industry are treating them. It's how people on the outside are treating them. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's why I think we all need to be really careful because I do it too. Like I'll watch someone on telly and be like, oh, the stage, what's she wearing? Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I have to watch. We all are like, you know, uh, we'll be watching a football match and be like, oh, that's like a shit pass. What did you do that for? Mm. But then you forget that. You forget famous people are real people. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I have to watch myself, do you know? Yeah. So we all need to. 
Yeah, well, and 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 I guess the naysayers would say, well, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Because you know, you get this. It's not. Like, it's not. Yeah. It's 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 not. It's you don't bollocks. have to. Absolute no, no, no amount of money is no. worth abuse. No, no, absolutely not. No. Um, I watched the um, Spurs yeah. documentary All or Nothing on um, Amazon Prime, which uh, my wife thinks the most boring thing in the world because she's not into sport. I find it fascinating. I'm such a football nerd. I love all that behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, yeah. All the team talks, I love it. And uh, Eric Dyer, one of the players, who I have to admit, I don't think rate very much, but like I really felt for him during this um, in episode. He was talking about when they lose a game, he goes home and he thinks about every single pass in the match, every mm. single thing he did wrong, the whole game. It goes, he said he can't sleep. And I was like, Wow, I don't even think I do that after watching a Palace game or even playing Sunday League. And yet these guys... You have a moan and you move on, don't yeah. you? You just yeah. go on to the next thing. I know, I, I definitely overanalyze like, my creative stuff, but like playing football, maybe not. But these guys still actually really, really, really plays in their minds. And that, that actually made me see... I still don't think he's that great, but that made me see him <laughs> and footballers in general as, as yeah. quite differently, actually. So it's, it's, it is interesting. But again, if you're not in that world or you've not had that level of scrutiny, I, I would never be able to relate to that because I, I just don't know what it's like. So... Yeah. And but but I think more pe people are getting it now. Like even um, like John Ronson's book, he saw you've been publicly shamed and stuff. Like people because everyone has a platform now, don't they? Everyone's got Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Like most people do. You don't yeah. have to be in the public eye. So we're all on in the public eye in some way. I know there've been people who are just have regular jobs that aren't in the public eye who've tweeted things and then gone viral yeah. and have had to deal with abuse. So I think life is changing. Like we all need to kind of have a better understanding of how this works because it's out there and it's continuing you know it's not just for the famous footballers or the reality stars or the big musicians like everyone's kind of getting little degrees of it whether it's you know in school or a picture goes viral in school and the girl has to go to school like you know like we're yeah. all dealing with different levels of it so I think I think social media and these massive platforms have a lot to answer for and have to deal with things a, a bit better. But we all do. It's like how we talk to our children, how we talk to each other. Um, we're we're still navigating through it. Yeah, we're all accountable. Yeah, yeah. we're all accountable mm -hmm. for sure. But that's weird, isn't but, it? We're all, we're all having yeah. to curate our. our it's, yeah, it's a shame because in theory you'd think. I totally agree about social media. It has a lot to answer for. In theory. But then on the flip side, you have people like Giles who are doing like really nice positive stuff, and and so yeah, I, I love. I mean, there. I use it. I love it because I use it for how I want to use it. Mm. Yeah, but it, it's it'd be nice if we could all just be ourselves online and then connect to people in the same way. But actually, you're right. We do have to be careful and curb ourselves a bit, even if mm -hmm. we are just people like me, average Joes. But yeah, it's in, I've not thought about that. You do actually have to be really careful, especially young mm -hmm. people as well. When my daughter gets to school, I don't know what I'm going to do, but because. It's like you say, people that could share something on Instagram. They won't be. Through. They won't be social media then. It'll be something <laughs> oh no, else. it'll be like holograms in our. There'll brains. be a new thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Else. Little chips in our heads. Oh, yeah. God. Not looking forward to that. No. So what's what's next for you then, Laura? You've obviously you're, you're doing the. Let's let's, let's finish on a, a more positive note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. You're doing the the Radio Five Live stuff, but and yeah. you're doing like you're doing you're really busy because you've got you've got quite a few podcasts. There's quite a lot of, this has been like a really busy year. And I know mm. I, I feel very privileged to say that because I know it hasn't for everyone, especially in the arts and in this industry. Um, so radio hap continued all during lockdown. Um, I wrote my first book, which is available to pre-order out nice. in March. Nice. Um, Castaway Series 3 uh, came out this month um, with uh, the Guilty Feminists. Guilty Feminists, that's hard to say. Deborah yeah. Francis White of the Guilty Feminists. 
Um, she's amazing. We've got Dolly Alderton. We've got Jessie Ware coming on. Basically talking about the recommendations. There's so many podcasts out there yeah, that I think people, to, are, yeah. people are overwhelmed. So mm. I like Desert Island Disc. Sometimes I like to know what people are listening to yeah. and why. Um, so actually I might ask you guys for some recommendations. Because um, I just love to know what people are listening to. So that's coming out. Uh, and the new team captain on Celebrity Juice. Um, oh, so nice. we've we're fil- yeah, we're filming oh. that. So we started that last week, um, which is brilliant. So we're filming in a TV studio. Um, I- I've known Keith Lemon for years. Um, so it's great to be a team captain for that. Um, yeah, and there's a few other TV stuff that's happening. So it's it's been really busy, but I kind of kind of nostalgic for lockdown. I was like, I miss being <laughs> home. I, I was like, I quite... Because I was like, oh my God. I lo- and also my... My other half is a comedian. He should be on tour at the moment. Yeah, and um, it's so hard. I mean, he's doing gigs upstairs in his mm. little studio. I kind of like him being here because he used to always be out every night. And yeah, now I'm like, yeah. oh, we can have, we can have dinner together. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, I'm a bit nostalgic for, lock, for, the, for proper lockdown. Um, I think it's just just being like together as a family and you know eating together and, yeah. and we try and do that anyway. But yeah, just well, the good news is, yeah. guys, second lockdown's on the <laughs> way. Say, yeah, but it's not as fun the second time round. First time round, we, we it was a novelty. It was a novelty. We were like, yeah. it's only going to be a few weeks. Yeah, it's exactly. never as fun second time round. Never as fun. <laughs> never. Ah, oh, well, Laura, it's honestly, it's been absolute been privilege lovely. to talk to you. Oh, love, thank you for having me. Love your work and um, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's always nice seeing you pop up on the, my timeline on Twitter. Um, you are. I try bit... not to rant. I try not to. No, rant. no, no. You're you're, you're total ray of sunshine. It's lovely to see you on there. Um, we normally ask our guests at the end of the podcast about um, well, we haven't. I mean, we've kind of covered some blank moments, and we talk yeah. about like, it's, it's a quite an interpretive kind of term. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how they get. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of those difficult moments, and how you sort of get through those difficult moments if you've got mm-hmm. any tips or advice for our listeners on what how you God. get through difficult moments it's it's so it's so hard because everyone everyone kind of gets through things differently yeah. and I think one thing I've had to learn to do and it could be everything from dealing with this year to when I first moved to London, I found it really hard. I found it really because I had this brilliant job and everyone's like oh you're so lucky I didn't know anyone mm. I was like I, I didn't think I was pretty enough to be on TV. I didn't have hair and makeup. I didn't have enough money to buy the right clothes. I, I wasn't like given this glamorous life that people thought I had. And I really felt out of my depth. And I think one thing which I, it took me a while to do is like asking for help and talking to people about how you feel. And I get, I get imposter syndrome quite a lot, but we all had those close people. It could be like a group of people, of friends, or it could be one person that you can just be honest with. You don't have to like share every single insecurity on you know the wide web but like i i think it's important to have your tribe and your people and um anytime i've had a moment and that can be from this year because i'm also very protective when things happen that i don't want to like if i say too much it could end up in the papers so it's like finding that one person that you trust or could be two people or your family and talking to them because we don't talk and we talk but we don't talk does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of noise around us but sometimes we don't really say how we're really feeling because we're too scared yeah i, th- I think it's interesting you saying also about the imposter syndrome things do you do you, do you get that i get it all the time all yeah, the time yeah. well it's just no, constant no. yeah constant i think every and I've, I've i've been really surprised by like everyone seems to get it like from mm. people that i've talked to who are top of their game actually the people who who are really good at what they do seem to get it the most yeah. and 
And yeah, I, I just remember, I wish I could have told myself when I first started to be a little bit easier on myself because I was very anxious when I first started in MTV and I loved it and I had a laugh and but I just felt like someone's going to turn around and realise that I'm not good enough or I'm not cool enough because I wasn't cool. Like MTV at like that stage had this element of like coolness and it's a cool stage, especially when you're working in the music channels and you're interviewing like P Diddy and Pharrell and JLo and Britney. Like I interviewed all these people and then you meet them and you realize they're real people. Mm. Like I met Britney and I was like, Oh my God, I love her. I want to like, give her a hug. I met JLo and I was like, I just want her to be my best friend. <laughs> you know, like they're real people and mm. um, and they've had busy days. And I remember, remember meeting Justin Bieber and he'd had like this mad day of like back to back interviews. And I was like, have you eaten today? Do you know, do you, know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just kind of like, you forget and then you meet them and you realize everyone's battling something or trying to get through something that day. Um, and that's been really eye-opening, but I did just feel out of my depth. I felt like I was interviewing all these glamorous people and I was there doing my makeup myself and yeah. like using samples from like department stores because <laughs> I didn't have enough money for, um, and just blagging it. Back to what we were talking about, the blagging it. Mm. Um, uh, and for me, I don't even know what you say, there are blank moments, but like, it felt really, I felt guilty because there should be this amazing moment, but I've all this other stuff going on that I'm probably not enjoying it as much as I should. Mm. I, I've Actually, that's really, I've felt that about any moments in my career, I've thought, oh, this is, this is a big moment. I've never been able to enjoy it. Yeah. You get terrified of like screwing it up and then not getting any more opportunities. Isn't that right? It's only in hindsight you look back going, oh, that was great, that was, but yeah. I, I, you didn't enjoy it at the time because yeah, you're weird, worrying about you other things. About it, you think, oh, when I get there, it's going to be great. And actually, when you get there, it's, either exactly the same or more terrifying yeah it's weird but i think sometimes when when the tougher moments i'm probably more optimistic because i'm like sure can only get better yeah you know (laughs) yeah exactly when i'm at a a good moment i'm like i could lose it all you know it's funny Mm. it's weird our our brains are funny things aren't they we're weird aren't we we are humans we are a bit weird yeah Yeah. it's particularly creative people though i think we we're wired slightly (laughs) differently yeah Yeah. another species yeah (laughs) Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. And honestly, thank it's you. been an absolute treat to talk to you. And um, yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll catch up again in the real world. Definitely, whenever that will be. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Laura. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you Giles. Thank you, Jim. Thank no, you. Thank you. Lovely, lovely start to the day. Brilliant. There you go. Laura Whitmore on the Blank Podcast. What a lovely guest. Lovely guest. Laura's lo- so lovely. What an awesome person. I just, um, it's funny how much we all had in common, actually. It's funny mm. when you talk to these guests, you realise we've got so much in common, especially sort of Laura and, and I with the journalism background and sort of TV stuff. But um, what's nice about these episodes is you, you get to realise how similar we all are. You know, talking to really successful people and, you know, Laura's incredibly well known and got a big following online and stuff but actually we're all we're all so similar <laughs> and then that's another sort of reassuring thing about doing this this pod and this episode in particular oh absolutely yeah and we did talk about that briefly didn't we about you know that sort of changing of going from being sort of quite anonymous on a show yeah and then going to you know to almost like superstardom you know she's so well known now um, so that, that that's quite a big leap, you know, for someone over, you know, it does seem like probably when you're in it, it probably seems like quite a long time, but actually quite a short space yeah. of time, really. And um, yeah, it was so lovely to 
hear her thoughts on that and you know again hearing which comes up a lot on the podcast that imposter syndrome mm. right at the end when we were talking about blank moments and how often that comes up it's amazing really isn't it it really does it's such a constant constant theme i liked well, i found it interesting the bit about how actually even if you're not massively famous online you are still out there in the public eye in a way and mm. referencing john ronson our first ever guest of course on the blank pod and, and and his book about public shaming and actually yeah you do have to be careful so that that was interesting and, and and very on point actually that we are we're all having to be careful even if we don't have millions of followers mm. about what we do so it is yeah it is it's difficult navigating isn't it online life sometimes but um yeah yeah and it is tricky because like for you and i we use it so much for to sort of publicize our work yeah, and yeah. you know try and you know obviously getting people on the podcast it's vital to be on twitter and stuff yeah. i have got most of our guests via the platform so yeah it's really important to be on those things but it's just the way we we like you say navigate those pl- pl- sorry i can't talk um, navigate those platforms and actually um just put stuff out there that's a little bit um, a bit more positive, a bit kinder. Which you do. And in fact, actually, speaking about kind tweets, uh, I think mm. we should drop in. I mean, first of all, thank thank you, Laura, so much for joining us and just yeah, yeah, it was great being really you. lovely and, and, and just, you know, as with all our guests, we're so lucky. Just a lovely hour of chatting to someone interesting yeah. and and connecting so thank you so much for her you know she's very busy at the moment very busy you think about all the projects she's doing so we appreciate her time massively um and let's move on to some lovely tweets which to be fair we get so many in our twitter feed um it's really really nice and i think a lot Mm. of them are followers of of you on your twitter feed and it's really nice that those positive people have moved over and follow us as well it's um it's really quite heartwarming. Well, I hope some of them follow you as well, Jim. I, I seem to get new followers every day, and I think they are uh, blank people. So that's really nice as well. I th- cool. I do feel like my uh, my feed is getting do follow more Jim positive. Daily Comedy. Please do. I'm desperate for followers. Um, no, I, it's it's nice to connect to, to, to similar-minded people mm. and positivity, you know, that, that I get as a result. So I do appreciate it. Um, speaking of which, I've got a tweet here from mm-hmm. Natasha uh, Akhtar. Natasha. Hi, Natasha. She is at Natasha underscore actor. Um, A-K-H-T-A-R. I hope I said that right, Natasha. Um, she says, uh, catching up on Blank Pod, this episode with David Harewood is wonderful. God, what an episode that was. Um, listening to him talk about the struggles in his career was just incredible. Well worth listening if you're a fan of his work. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that episode yeah. is, an, it is... I was about to say it's a banger, but that actually doesn't do it justice. It is... Uh, everything <laughs> it is everything that episode is incredible well, when we were editing it i was getting emotional all over again because we got quite emotional all of us on the on the pods and we all yeah. we all had a little cry at some point yeah so yeah it's powerful if you haven't powerful to it, i think maybe yeah it's really powerful and david's a just incredible human being so yeah. please do go back and listen if you haven't heard that one um i think it's there was some life-changing stuff in that agreed absolutely i've got a, i've got a tweet here from taryn sudding Taryn Suds is her handle. Hi, Taryn. She says, loving the podcast uh, so much. Sanjeev Bashkar, love his humanity. Oh, yeah. Compassion and creativity is everything, as is the journey. Indeed. Uh, thank you to Giles and Jim. Next recommendation, please. Oh, thank you, Taryn. That's lovely. And yeah, I mean, Sanjeev is just one of the, one of the best people we've met. He's <laughs> just a wonderful man. And uh, the journey absolutely right absolutely yeah. right and i nearly mentioned that on today's pod actually uh with laura because i think we were sort of skirting around the same theme so um yeah absolutely bang on if you'd like to send us a tweet about any episode you've enjoyed we'd love to hear from you our twitter handle is 
at blank pod. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook, and our handle is the exact same at blank pod. Out. I'm gonna just give a little shout out, Jim. Sorry to uh, Cornish Darren Fewins, <laughs> yeah, because this week he um, did a very very nice uh, photo <laughs> shop job mm. on our two faces, mm. and he merged them. Mm. Um, one into, as you put it, uh, someone who'd been in Holby <laughs> City for like last six seasons. What he looks like, and uh, I thought also probably up for the new the new role of the Bobby in Heartbeat. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then also a female version. Yes, uh, which was uh, not as attractive as I'd hoped. <laughs> If I have to say, I was going to say it's really made me rethink everything about life. Um, <laughs> no, thank you, Darren. Uh, Darren joined our quiz recently, and he's, he's a really nice guy, very funny. Yeah. And uh, these tweets were excellent. I don't know what software he's used to do that. I have to say, Charles, the combined mm. male face of you and me, he's very good looking. <laughs> yeah, I, was trying, I, I don't know I, what, I that, what yeah. has he done to this software, but he's somehow made us look incredibly just chiselled and just oh yeah. Looks great, yeah. And there's been and looks like we've not had much work done. No, it's very natural and uh, natural, yeah, natural beauty. And and I think maybe the next, the next um, heartthrob, Hollywood heartthrob, quite possibly. Yes, you can see someone that's going to move over from British soaps over to Hollywood and yeah. do um, pilot season and stuff and try and get some. Well, good luck to him. Good luck to this amalgamation yeah, yeah. of us. But uh, yeah, that was. Very interesting tweets to receive, so thanks, Darren. Yes, <laughs> thank, thank you, Darren. Made us laugh. Really appreciate didn't it? your input as always. <laughs> Look, listen, I think we should wrap up the pod there. I mean, what we had a lot of fun actually this episode and some really interesting chat with Laura as well. So, mm. thank you very much to her. Thank you, Giles, for just being you as per. and you, Jim, for being you. Thanks, man. And uh, we'll see you again next week with another guest on the Blank Podcast. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you again soon. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.